Darkcast Network, the light shines brightest on our indie podcasts. is a Horrible Histories, Terrible Mysteries podcast. The past, and sometimes the present, are often a bleak place. Listener discretion is advised. If you're a fan of Disturbing Interests, please like and subscribe. And for the love of God, tell a friend about us. Pretend you're a Mormon. Go door to door with the good news of Disturbing Interests. Preach our gospel, brothers and sisters, and non-gender binary siblings, to the world at large. Because remember, with us, you might be disturbed, but you're not alone. Welcome back to Disturbing Interest, everyone. I am Regina King, your evilest queen, and sitting in her own lovely house is my ever-beautiful partner. Hi, I'm Lynn, your docent of darkness. How you been? I mean, it's been a it's been a rocky start to 2023. I spent a good chunk of uh, this month bopping poor old Wilhelm in and out of the ER. Uh, his kidney stone decided to make itself known, and then we discovered that his appendix was like, "No, me, me, pay attention to me." And long story short, laparoscopically removed that that offending. Organ and uh, wow, Amer- American medicine is both amazing and extremely fucked up at the same time. And can I just say that I do not recommend a Friday night trip to the ER because you will see some things, you will smell some things, you will hear some things that mm. you cannot unhear, unsmell, and unsee. I would like to remind everyone I used to be a paramedic oh, at this I'm, point. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just like seriously, right now, guys, wear a helmet. Don't do anything crazy. Don't experiment with uh, random drugs that you find. Uh, don't get on ladders. Just maybe try to play it safe because shit is bad right now. Uh, shit is never good in the ER, but shit is exceptionally bad right now. So just, you know, maybe maybe play it real safe right now so you don't end up there, guys. Okay? Seriously. Seriously. Oh, um, my favorite part, and I, when I say favorite, I mean not favorite, but my favorite part of that whole sojourn that you guys went on into the American health field recently was on top of all of that, poor Wilhelm got a stomach bug. Oh, yes. And scared the shit out of all of us. Oh, yeah. So we don't know if the stomach bug made the appendix go rogue or uh, or if it was just sort of a fortuitous finding uh that the stomach bug made him so sick that they scanned him and they were like oh yeah by the way your appendix looks a little testy let's let's fish that fucker out but yeah like that's the fun part about going to the hospital hospitals where all the sick people are so if you go to the hospital you might bring something back that you uh didn't start out with so Knock wood, no corona at least. Just apparently some kind of norovirus situation which caused Will to reenact the scenes from The Exorcist, which was super fun for no one. And guys, when we say like this happened back to back to back, we don't mean like 
Will had the kidney stone appear and then a week later had to have his appendix out. This was a matter of days. This was like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. You're cool. I'm out. Like it was bam, bam, bam. Oh, yeah. I was on like, I was getting like a frequent flyer mile, like punch card. Like maybe I get a free bagel at the end of all this or like, oh, no, no, free mammogram. Maybe I get a free mammogram or colonoscopy. Like literally every other day I was at the ballard swedish er being like what's up homies so it was great I'm back <laughs> oh my god and if you ever need a crash course in just how fucked america's both social safety net income inequality and healthcare system are in a big venn diagram of suck that's that's where you can go to learn about that mm. absolutely yeah mm-hmm. it's uh it's good times for no one but the good news is Will is on the mend. He's going to be fine. One less organ, t- three tiny holes, like the predator shot him. It was kind of amazing, his little belly. But he's overall doing doing fine. I'm recovering from all of this. And in the middle of all of this, I opened an art gallery. So that was neat. Yeah. That was happening. We had the soft opening at Art Walk. But February, we're going to have the hard opening, the more difficult opening. I can't imagine a more difficult opening, but yeah, it's going to be fun. So we'll let you know more about that if you are local to Seattle. I want to and check it out. I, I'm even going to be setting up in there. Yes. So you can catch both of us. It's it's wild. So in in our natural habitat, even. Yeah, you can watch your... You, I, you don't have to sit there and paint, but you could stand there and paint while people are coming in. This I just true. sit and work on my plates because I don't like to talk to strangers and it makes me nervous so i just have a little thing to work on and it just makes it a lot less anxiety provoking so yeah yep you'll be able to catch me on sundays anyway i have a corrections corner for us from the end of last season so if you've been with us since last season which hey way to go guys we are in season five and you know what that's pretty fucking awesome I still really like you, Lynn. You're yeah. one of my besties. It's yeah. been fun. We kept, I mean, let never let it be said that we are not tenacious. True. We just keep doing this because we haven't stopped yet. I don't know why, but we, I don't know. I like to write weird school reports and be like, let me read this to you. And you same like here. to do the same. So yeah, I don't know. It's, I like to hear your reports. So it's same nice. <laughs> it's, it's a good time. It's my I big, love it. It's our big dumb hobby. I love it. Yep. Yep, it's fun. So we hope you you all are loving it too. Uh, thank you for all the support you give us. Please keep on giving us support. Follow us on our social media pages. You can find that in the little info blurb at the base of the podcast. Check out our Dark Cast Network fellow pods out there. New news on that too. Dark Cast has now gone international. So yeah, it's exciting. Please come and see us when we're doing live shows and all that good stuff. Send us emails, you know, chats, whatever. We're here for you because you're here for us and we love it. Everyone who is sending ideas, thank you so much. Definitely keep those coming because, you know, we fall into the weird shit hole, but we love that you guys do too. And so please, please, please keep on sending us those ideas. Are you uh, referring to our podcast as a weird shithole? Because it is. It is. <laughs> oh my god, that made me laugh so hard. I knocked the headset off my head. 
the ER is definitely a weird shithole. But yeah, it's uh, <laughs> wow. Twenty twenty three coming in hot. Wow. Oh Lord, and here we are. Yes, <laughs> just a friendly reminder: when you do send us ideas, you can send them any way you want them, and either specify who you want to cover it. Or remember, I monitor our Twitter and our Gmail, and Lynn's got Facebook and Insta. So, you know, we, we are easy to reach. And you Anywho. can find me in the ER. That's where I'm going to be checking all my, all my messages. Yay. Yeah, so Corrections Corner from last season. So I told you the story of Mr. Mao and his revenge from when we were teenagers. And I said he called out 14 years. No, actually, when I was talking to him, he reminded me that I am older than I think I am because he called out 24 years. Yep. We're old, man. and I'm even older than you. So, yeah, I'm the crypt keeper at this point. I mean, in my defense, we were very young at the time, but also... 24 years, that's a long time. That's the longest of games. I am both horrified and impressed, even more by this man. Uh, There's clearly a reason why I married him. If you can play a game that long, I'm well done. Well done. Hats off, sir. Yeah, yeah, playing the long game, Mr. Mao. Other than that, the only other update we have is about our merch. So several of you did contact us because our merch site keeps on being taken down. And that is because I did the graphic design of the sus wagon, but it was requested that it be called the Bundy sus wagon. And I did update that and put it out there. And unfortunately, apparently that is, what did they call it, Lynn? Deplorable? Well, I mean, yes, but apparently it was content that had to be censored and violated company guidelines. So it was, our shop keeps being taken down. So I'm currently looking at other options and we will repost that as soon as possible. I'll update the link on our website. Who knows, we may just be selling items on our website itself, but um, that will be updated and I will update all of you at that time. Awesome. Yeah. So what are you drinking tonight? Uh, So to to kick off 2023, I found the most disgusting looking thing I could on the shelves of, uh, I call it Liquor Barn. It's total wine, but Liquor Barn to me. It's called (laughs) Beat Box, which that's classy. Is it made with beets? It's made with beets. It's made with beets. Uh, so you get a bit. I guess that was me trying to beatbox, and I'll hey, stop. You know what? Still better than me rapping on yeah, the crossover special. I, I don't so. think we're gonna. I don't. I really don't think we're going to become a, a, a internationally celebrated hip hop duo. So that dream's gotta die. But um, no, this is um, it. It's fruit punch flavored something. I think it's a wine. I don't honestly know what what's in it. It's it. This says fruit punch, so I'm gonna. Mm. And it's not even a can; it's like a little, little mini carton, like a carton. So I can't even get like the sound. I just, just, it's just a sad little like clunk as I unscrew the top, and um, it smells bad. It smells like it smells sort of like 
a little mix of like it's like it smells like if Kool-Aid had started to get funky in your fridge. So that's oh, what it smells like. No. <laughs> I don't I'm guys, I'm doing this for you. Uh, I want to remind you all that I am under no contractual obligation to take more than one sip. This is this is it. I'm not that committed to the bit. <laughs> See if I can get it past my nose. Maybe. Okay. Oh, ah, here we go. Here we go. I'm going to end up in the ER. Oh, God, that's that's worse than I <laughs> thought that would be. You know what that tastes like? That yeah. tastes like Robitussin. Tastes like Robitussin. Smells like uh, fruit punch. Tastes like Robitussin. Oh, it smell- no. You know what this tastes like? This tastes like being eight years old and sick at home. It smells like oh, no. soon I'm going to throw up some chicken and stars soup. That's what it smells like. <laughs> Yeah, smells like watching uh, daytime soap operas with my grandmother is what it smells like. (laughs) Smells like Guiding Light. This is what it smells and tastes like is Guiding Light. Yeah, this is, this is, I'm going to, no, I, you know, there are very few that I can only get one sip down and this is, this, we're going to just, this is going right down the sink. This is not okay. This is, oh, you know what? This is a, this is a time for me to bop out grab an actual glass of wine because it's, it's <laughs> evening and it's not an absurd time for me to be drinking wine. Uh, and the shit I get to tell you about requires some wine. So I'll be right back. You know what? Me too. I'm going to get a glass of wine too. So we're just going to run some uh, little intermission music. We'll be right back. All right, so we are back, and uh, I'm kicking us off with this. Oh, I can't believe I'm doing the first uh, story in season five, but wow, if if this is what our season has ahead of us, I'm just excited. Oh, another thing coming this season is you will be getting double the content uh, because that is a new change coming. Anyway, but. I would like to cite my sources, you know, in case you guys want to look this up. Wikipedia, naturally. Boreanabooks.com. Wired.com. Puppet History. Which, let me tell you what, if you haven't seen Puppet History on YouTube, you are missing out. And Highlight History. And that's also a great channel on YouTube. So, I am telling us about hippo ranching in the u.s and what might have been yes the deadliest animal on the african continent comes to america to settle some scores this sounds like the movie the fever dream movie that almost could have been oh man i wish i wish i would totally see that and you know guys the U.S. in the 1900s to, like, the 1930s had to have been a real trip. Like, I keep on coming back here. I'm not sure why, but it's like clockwork. Here we are again. Another season. Another wacky-ass story from the early 1900s. I don't know. It was just, It was a magical time. <laughs> a magical time before laws were really... For regulations or the internet or yeah 
was the best of times, the worst of times, the weirdest of times. The weirdest of times. So, like I said, today we're going to talk about how we almost went into hippo farming in the U.S. Now, I don't want to make any assumptions here. Not everybody knows the fact that you just laid down that hippos are that deadly. Some people have bought into this stereotype that's been kind of painted of them of being sweet, this soft, squishy hippo. Ballerinas. Ballerinas, yes, exactly. So hungry, hungry, those hippos. Hungry (laughs) ballerina hippos. The cartoonists and game makers of this wide world have given us a fucking lie, is what I am saying. Oh, they're hungry. Hungry for human flesh and blood. (laughs) Hungry for carnage. Seriously, hippos are a big no. They are a one-way ticket to the afterlife. Do not fuck with hippos. A statistic that really helps frame exactly how dangerous they are. Lions. Big scary lions. Cap an average of 22 people every year. 22. That's less than I would have thought. Right? Same. Hippos, however... Past tense, 500 people on average. Yep. Every single year. Yep. Yeah. Fiona the hippo, super cute at the zoo, will end you. Even pygmy hippos will end you. Like, there, there, did you see that amazing internet video of some of these people that were in like an actual, like a motorboat, like a speedboat yes. yes. on a river in Africa, yes. just speeding along? And this hippo was like, bitch, no, because they're very territorial. And it's this absolutely terrifying video shot facing behind the sh- the the boat as this jo- this hippo is just surging through the water about to catch these people. Like it it's genuine. Like oh oh my heart levels of scary. Yeah yeah. No, it gets close. And guys, the even more terrifying thing about this. So you look at hippos and you think that's a big fat thing. No, that's all muscle. Hippos don't swim. That that hippo that was surging after them in this river, hippos jump. That is just yep. pure muscle and aggression jumping after that boat, trying to pass tense all those people because it can. They are yep. super aggressive, territorial tanks with attitude that don't even give you the chance to fuck around before you find out. Pretty much, yeah. Do not take their parking spots. They will fuck you up. Exactly. God, I love hippos. And I fear them, but I love them. They're like if geese were a giant armored mammal. Can you imagine if geese were a giant armored mammal? There'd be no humans left. Terrifying thing ever. No, that we would all be dead. Yeah. Yeah. No. Oh, and did I mention... That they're finding out how they can be an invasive species in Colombia right now? Yes, indeed. Cocaine brought us hippos to Colombia, baby. Oh, yep. The hell with cocaine bear. We got cocaine hippos. That's right. Pablo Escobar had a personal zoo. And in the 1970s, he added four hippos to the menagerie. Now, four hippos, okay, but 
The hippos were allowed free reign of his estate until 1993 because hippos do what they want. However, after his death, local hippo th- uh, local hippo authorities were few to be found in Colombia, and the local normal authorities couldn't figure out how to get rid of them. I mean, pure muscle and aggression. How are you going to get rid of that if you don't know? So they were left alone. By 2007, they had multiplied to 16. Okay, not bad. But we have to remember, they were being untended, left to their own devices. So by 2019, there were a hundred hippos. Oh, that's not good. Yeah, that's a hell of an increase. Oh, I'm so sorry, South America. You're going down. Yeah, let us all take half a tick to be grateful that this fever dream of a plan of hippo ranching never actually got off the ground here. I'm just glad that, like, hippos don't like it cold because I'm, I'm, we'll be okay up here. Stick to the north latitudes. You won't get hippoed. <laughs> all right. So let's journey in our Wayback Machine to 1910 before large-scale agriculture breeding had caught up with the increasing demand for that sweet, sweet flesh that we all hunger for. Is this another one of our episodes where we accidentally turn more people vegan? Because I feel like that's a lot of our episodes. We're accidentally a vegan podcast. I I mean, maybe. <laughs> you never really know with us. At this point, I don't even know. I, I literally take my melatonin every night. And if it's a new brand, I look at and look at Mr. Mao and I'm like, I'm probably eating beaver ass right now. I say it every time. <laughs> yep. <laughs> He'll look it up for me and tell me if I'm not. The last time I got a different bottle, he didn't say I wasn't. He said nothing. It leads me to believe that, yes, I was eating beaver ass. You just don't know these days. Nope. You sure don't. Uh, Anyhow, back to the story. What was our country to do without their desire for steak being slaked? Well, enter into the story. Kooky character number one. Because the hippo fever dream wasn't had by somebody who thought inside of the box. No, no. Frederick Russell Burnham, who came up with this idea, might be my new favorite hero. Now, Burnham is a figure that we will (laughs) be dedicating an entire episode to. I'm currently listening to a book about him, and wow, Literally from infancy, this person was fascinating. He was the literal inspiration for Indiana Jones, and he was the inspiration for the Boy Scouts of America. Burnham was a freelance adventurer, because apparently that's not just a job in D&D. I mean, like, I just, I picture his guidance counselor, like, you know, testing him being like, oh, well, well, we thought maybe you could be an auto mechanic, but it turns out freelance adventurer suits you best. Like, do you go to school for that? How does, do you get licensed? How does that work? You know, I'm learning how it works. And apparently it starts with being attacked as an infant and leading a life of just wild, just wild. (laughs) 
But you know what? I want that title. Like if I can't have freelance adventure as my title, you know, of course, after professional podcaster or author, um, then yeah, I, I'm also good with somebody signing me up to be a freelance bitch for a living because I, you know, I do it for free now. And if you're good at something, you should get paid for it, right? Always the hustle. Yeah, I, I don't think I could be a freelance adventurer. That involves like probably sleeping in tents, and I hate that. So no, <laughs> no, that involves leaving my house. So no. <laughs> Uh, during this time period, two sets of colonizers were warring in Africa, England and France. Yay! White people! Can't keep our hands off shit! No, can't! Yep. Now, we don't have a military equivalent of a scout today. But imagine a combination of a tracker, a spy, and a saboteur in equal parts. And that was a very highly specialized and dangerous role that Burnham decided he was going to fill for the English. (laughs) Because, you know, if you're a freelance adventurer, that's what you do. I I like to think that a freelance adventurer or a scout would kind of be like a mercenary today. Yeah, it's kind of what it sounds like. Soldier of fortune kind of yeah, thing. Right? Yeah, right? Right? Does, does that mean that I want to be a mercenary? I don't really want to be a mercenary. Maybe. But I, do, I, I mean, maybe. I, You know, that Maybe a non-violent like, one? Oh, what would be the fun in that? You know, oh, this okay. really sounds like something I need to talk about with my therapist is what it sounds like it, to me. It kind of does, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So, in fact, Burnham was such a fucking force as a scout. He was dubbed, get these nicknames, the king of the scouts. Okay. And, this is my favorite, the most complete human being that has ever lived the the most complete what the most it- complete human being that has ever lived i kid you not this this is how he was dubbed by other people not himself so this is like the most interesting man in the world but 1910 edition yeah and and not pub not like made up by a beer company gotcha this, okay this is other people Real really guy. him this yeah okay um and this was after his stint in the French Indian War that he was dubbed these titles. Um, I don't know if they were official titles, but they were official enough for us to be talking about them today. Did he write them on like his tax forms and that sent like that box where they're like, what do you do for a living? You know, like maybe I'm I, the most complete human being that has ever lived. I like to believe he embroidered it on his towels. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, definitely. I yes. bet he did. Yeah. No. Yes. In his I, underwear, he had a tag that said that one hundo he did. Yeah. A t-shirt. Yeah. A, t- a t-shirt that just said most complete human being. Yes. Yes. Yeah. In fact, I kind of want that t-shirt. I wouldn't be able to wear it myself, but I kind of want to see somebody else wearing it. And I'll be most like, Frederick. <laughs> the most complete human being that has ever lived. Oh, okay. Sure. <laughs> What's up, Fred? He'll be like, my name's Joe. And I'll be like, you are falsely advertising sir listen to this episode anyway i was actually going to take like real shots not just us joking around like this at those nicknames but seriously after learning more about burnham nah man he this was? man has earned those okay. titles 
<laughs> like I said, he might have earned, or like I said, he definitely earned an episode of his own. Nice. I, yeah, I, I've definitely fallen deep into the King of the Scouts research hole. It's your That's new boyfriend. Uh, no, 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 definitely no. not. No. Anyhow, a quote from journalist Richard Arlington Davis about Burnham. He was tra- he has trained himself to endure the most appalling fatigues, hunger, thirst, and wounds, has subdued the brain to infinite patience, and has learned to force every nerve in his body to absolute obedience, to still even the beating of his heart. He reads the face of nature as you read your morning paper. His life is an endless chain of impossible achievements. I mean, come on. Yeah, that that's he's like the bare grills of his time. Right? How can I not find myself totally intrigued by this character after oh, no. reading that? I'm intrigued. Right? I'm intrigued, yeah. So... In 1893, after running out of wars to scout in on the American soil, Burnham did sail to Africa and he fought for the English, like I said, as a scout in two of their colonizer wars there until 1903. His exploits during these wars were absolutely wild. I mean... Wild, the most highly referenced in all of the things that I heard um, about him, uh, little things that happened to him in in these wars uh, were he hid under a dead aardvark or no, he hid in an aardvark den for several days and he hid himself under a floating carcass of an animal down a river so yeah okay so he clearly has learned to at least still his olfactory senses so well done <laughs> well done burnham well done well done his exploits during these wars like i said just wild now every master of his craft needs a rival or nemesis that drives them forward it was in africa that Burnham met his, a man by the name of Fritz Duquesne, codename the Black Panther. Like, as in, like, he's T'Challa? No, no, oh, okay. no, definitely not. Oh, wait, he's a white guy who's called the Black Panther. Okay. Yes. Oh, wait, yes. 1910. Never mind. Okay. All right. Okay. Enter kooky character number two. All right. Frederick Fritz. Jobert Duquesne. Fritz, or Duquesne, could also end up with his own episode. (laughs) This is highly possible as well. But I don't really get the sense that he was a good dude. So if we do, he's going to be the darker side. In fact, it seems like it might be like really quite the opposite of being a good dude because Nazis. Oh, damn it. We had to start the year with Nazis. You know what? I have said only one Nazi per season. Maybe this is the Nazi this season. This is our Nazi. You've had your Nazi. Yeah, this is the Nazi in the season. All right. All right. Duquesne was a scout on the side of the French in the African 
Second Anglo-Boer War against the English. Like I said, uh, colonizer BS, really. He grew up in Africa, um, and I guess because he was one of the colonizer's kids, (laughs) signed up. And both he and Burnham were specifically tasked to either kill or capture the other by their supervisors, which cracks me up. You, you, that guy over there. Yeah, that, that, that's your guy. They were both tide turning pieces in the war. Like one guy on both sides, so hardcore. They ordered them to take each other out. I would like to take a moment and mention that there have been many things written and said about Duquesne, and much is fictional. But his actual exploits are so unbelievable, it's hard to separate the lies from the truth. One of the facts that amused me was how he gained the name the Black Panther. Allegedly, starting season five off with our favorite word, allegedly... As a child, Duquesne saw the way a panther stalked his prey and decided it was applicable to him. In reality, it must have been considering he killed his first man at 12 and people legitimately called him by that name. There's a lot of horrifying stuff to unpack just now. Like, yikes. Yeah. Yikes with the capital. Yikes. Yikes on bikes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, as a person who operates under a moniker myself, (laughs) the evil queen, I can attest to you. A. You have to embody that shit. And B. You have to have the balls to introduce yourself as such. Anyway. My favorite quotes in the story are all about Duquesne's shady ass and range from admiration to disgust. But the one I want to share is from Burnham. He said in his autobiography, There are only two men on the veld that I feared, and one was Duquesne. He also said, Much has been written about Duquesne, most of it rubbish. Yet his real accomplishments were so terrible and amazing that they make the yellow journal thrillers about him seem as wild as radio bedtime stories. Now, as wild as these two made things, the war did end, and they both eventually found themselves back in the U.S. Cue the shortage of meat in the U.S. in 1910, and Burnham, who channels his survivalist training and experience in Africa to come up with the brilliant answer. That's right. You know it. Hippo farming. In his defense, he also suggested antelopes and giraffes as well. The thing is, a few factors made the hippo look like the better choice. One, the bayous and swamps of the Gulf Coast at the time were considered agriculturally worthless and therefore in need of change. It, it was This is how we ended up with nutria. This is how yeah. we ended up with giant like swamp rats. Yep, nutria. Okay. And two, 
the U.S. Department of Agriculture surveyed the land and described it with this brilliant visage. The bayous are wildly dismal and forbidding. The silence strikes one with an almost unforgettable horror. Nonetheless, the hippopotamus would find no difficulty living in Louisiana. Just just a lovely description. Really I feel warm. like there they were a lot more florid in the back in the day in terms of like government uh like pamphlets and and descriptors. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, legal writing, writings ends of things, like, it cracks me up how many personal opinions are in some of the documents that end up as judiciary material from the early 1900s, specifically. Anyway, and factor number three, flowers. Flowers? flowers. Yeah, that's right, flowers. Enter kooky character... Number three, Louisiana Congressman Robert Broussard. You see, the congressman had a problem, an invasive plant called the water hyacinth. Oh, I have that in my pond. But yeah, it's totally, it's absolutely, you don't, you don't want to get that in your waterway. My pond is a, is a completely not attached to a waterway standalone situation that doesn't go in ground. But yes, no, no, I'm with you. Yeah. Invasive species. Tanuki Waterland. Tanuki Waterland. Yes. So it was choking out the canals and waterways. Like you said, it'll choke out a waterway. And inviting the hippos in for cleanup seemed like a brilliant idea. Proving yet again that some people will keep making the same mistake and have no idea why it was a bad idea. I will not be dedicating an episode to Broussard. Just side note. The water hyacinth was no joke, though. Like you said, it's very invasive. They had tried everything they could think of to get rid of the plants, including spraying them with oil and setting them alight. Oh, dear. So the answer of hippos seemed to kill two problems with one very large, aggressive stone. The biggest... I'm glad they don't eat kudzu, because we totally have hippos running <laughs> loose in the bayou. Yeah, you're not wrong. The biggest talking point raised against hippo ranching was that they were too foreign for Americans. Not that they were giant, like, tanks of murder like like biological murder tanks that was not that was a yeah. problem no no burnham was quick to refute the ew that's nasty group with the friendly reminder that the majority of meat consumed in the u.s came from animals that had been brought here from other countries it was only that time made them commonplace i mean he's not wrong he's nope. not wrong nope in the long run, even the press came out pro-hippo, leading to this New York Times gem. If we've learned to swallow raw oysters and suck the meat out of crabs, why can't we also embrace that plump and pulchritudinous? I, I, I have such, I have such a hard time pronouncing that word. Pulchritudinous, nope. Pulchritudinous, nope. 
Why? Why can't I say it every time? Pulchritudinous. Beast. Which has a smile like an old-fashioned fireplace. What? What? They also called them Lake Cow Bacon. Lake Cow, cow bacon? bacon? Wow. Wow. <laughs> this was like Don Draper's grandpa, wasn't it? Let's just throw some words together. Lake Cow, cow Bacon. bacon. <laughs> yep. This idea made it all the way to Congress in Bill H.R. 23621, commonly known as the Hippo Bill. Wow. How much do you bet that Marge Taylor Greene and, like, the dinguses of the GOP are going to trot this back out at some point? I really want them to. <laughs> I do. I want this bill brought back oh, out. Oh, Lord. I want it brought back out so bad. <laughs> Well, they probably wouldn't because you know where hippos come from. You know. Melanin melanin (laughs) land. Can't have that. So the bill would have given $250,000 to import hippos from Africa. And today, guess how much that equates to? A lot. Seven million eight hundred forty two thousand three hundred sixty eight dollars and forty two cents although today they would have to figure out a way to make that a military situation because that's apparently what we can get through our budget if it kills like they'd have to be like hippo drones where like drones would like drop hippos onto our enemies to kill them oh my god i have a brilliant idea this is how we're getting government money no, no, we get Columbia to to pay us to remove their hippos. Like and then uh, we us? take, yes, yes. Uh, well, know. not you and I. Okay, but, but I'm not are. a wrangler. I don't, I'm, I don't have a hippo wrangling license. And then we take the hippos and we drop them on our enemies. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> at the very least, they'd work. be crushed. But yes, sure. It would work. <laughs> I'm telling you. Or just... Relocate hippos to their area. They'll take care of the rest. Okay. All right. I'm with you. Attack hippos. Anyway, so yeah, almost $8 million. The House Committee invited Burnham, Broussard, and and expert witnesses. God, I love this. William Newton Irvin, who was quite a character, kooky character himself. And guess who? Frederick Fritz. Yobert Duquesne to testify as experts in this hippo proposition. That's right. They invited the Black Panther himself as an expert witness, which, considering his background, it does actually make sense. The fact that Duquesne was once called the human epitome of sin and deception by Burnham did not stop them from working together any more than it stopped Duquesne from earning Burnham's begrudging respect. And because this story did not already have enough what-the-fuck moments, the person who brought Duquesne, who got Duquesne involved with the group, was former president Theodore Roosevelt. I was hoping he would show up because that just seems like such a Teddy Roosevelt thing. Oh, this has Roosevelt written all over it, doesn't it? 
It totally does. I do have to say, though, another impressing part about this is Duquesne was on the run from the authorities at the time when he was brought into this. Oh, God. (laughs) America. Roosevelt, a notorious hunter, met Duquesne preparing for one of his hunting expeditions to Africa. Duquesne had been one of the advisors that Roosevelt had hired before going, and he had impressed the president with his vast knowledge. He might have been on the list as one of those fucking guys, but he knew his shit as a scout. Duquesne testified to the House that hippos were easy to breed, okay, were an easy and good source of meat, okay, again, check. I mean, the way they breed, all that meat. All right. Yeah, yeah. And easy to domesticate. Lies, sir. Yeah, no. Nope. I guess two out of three ain't bad. (laughs) So with experts calling hippos safe and delicious, the press on their side, and a guy so cool he brought us Indiana Jones, why aren't we all eating hippo? Well, it's all about timing, isn't it? And poor communication. They wanted to introduce the bill to Congress the following year. In the meantime, Burnham, freelance adventurer, got called to participate in the Mexican Revolution. Because apparently you can call one guy in the early 1900s to participate in a war to turn the tides. Uh, 1-800-BURNHAM? Viva la revolution. I mean, what what does one say? Uh, I'm sure the French could have called him as well. Broussard kept waiting around to introduce the bill to Congress. And the rest of the driving force behind the hippo movement was off living the kind of lives that we talk about at length on this show. By 1915, Broussard had never introduced the bill and was leaving his term as a congressman. With the increase of large-scale agriculture and turbulence on the world stage with the First World War around the corner, the hippo ranching movement just kind of petered out. For once, I think I'm thrilled about poor communication and the lack of follow-through. Without it, we might have so many more issues in the South than Ron DeSantis. (laughs) Right? Ron DeSantis on a hippo. Yeah, no. Oh, oh God. No. Although maybe they would have eaten him. Or maybe they would have gone over to Mar-a-Lago and eaten some delicious orange flesh. I believe it's ketchup flavored. And hippos do love ketchup. (laughs) Is that a scientific fact? One hundo. Okay. However, I think it says a lot about the characters involved as well that when the lowest priority item on their to-do list was changing a country's entire primary source of of protein, they're pretty freaking busy. Yep. The Black Panther ended up getting involved with further shady shit, like, you know, starting spy rings and Nazis. Ugh, why it's always gotta be Nazis? It's always gotta be Nazis. And that is how a weird-ass movement started with a roar, and died with the equivalent of a wet burp. And that is my story. 
of hippo ranching what almost was. I feel like we dodged a bullet and yet there's still like this little anarchist part of my heart that's like, damn it, we could have had hippos. We could have had hippos. <laughs> damn. All right. Wow. Autumn's Oddities is a strange and unusual podcast made by the strange and unusual me, Autumn Gruby. Each week, I'll be taking you through some of the creepiest cases true crime has to offer. It won't only be true crime. I'll also be covering cryptids, haunted places, haunted things, and the true stories that inspired horror movies. Listen every Monday and Friday for new episodes. And remember, if it's creepy and weird, you'll find it here. Hello, Spooklings. I'm Jason. And I'm Kathy. And we're the hosts of the weekly podcast, All Hallows Eve Podcast. We are a husband and wife duo with a passion for anything spooky, macabre, and true crime, sprinkled with our own twist of comedy. We explore topics such as the history of Halloween, the butcher of Plainfield, Hocus Pocus 2, urban legends, superstitions, and more. So come join us as we go down the rabbit hole that is All Hallows Eve Podcast. Listen and follow us at allhallowsevepodcast.com or your favorite podcast provider. Stay spooky, my friends. Hello, I'm Kona Gallagher. And I'm Ethan Flick. We're the husband and wife team behind the True Crime Podcast, and then they were gone. We're a weekly show that covers unsolved missing persons cases. These are cases that you, the listener, can have an impact on. That's right. Each week, we bring you a new case of someone who has gone missing and needs their story told. Some of the people you may have heard of, like Kristen Smart or Braceless Pisa. But we also bring you missing people of color and other cases that haven't gotten the mainstream attention that they deserve. We cover the missing person's life and delve into the investigation and media coverage. One thing that we've learned in the nearly two years of doing this podcast is that a lot of these cases could be solved if pressure was put on the investigative agencies to do more. Our hope is that by getting these stories out there, you'll help us put that pressure on them. So come along with us as we tell these stories, and maybe you hold the key to bringing someone home. And Then They Were Gone is a proud member of the Darkcast Network and Spreaker Prime. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, or your favorite podcast app. Well, my story also kind of involves an animal, animals-ish, animal-related situation, but is less sort of delightful and more like, what the fuck, human beings? 
so and and again, I feel like this story truly embraces the energy that 2023 kind of busted in with. And so with that in mind, we're going to talk about one of the most bonkers conspiracy theories of the current age, which has also unfortunately brought along with it some really terrible violence in its wake over the last decade or so. Yeah, this is bananas. Yeah, this is bananas and sad and also what the fuck, people? And I am speaking of lizard people. And I don't mean folks that like fancy iguanas as pets, but people who believe that reptilian humanoids are secretly taking over the earth and just like walking amongst us disguised as perfectly normal people. Your mailman? I mean, I don't know. You... I'll tell you the story, and then you tell me if you think it's right. Okay. So, like, your mailman could be a lizard person. He could. Could. Major political figures like, oh, I don't know, Joe Biden or the late Queen Elizabeth II could be reptiloids. I mean, I heard she died because she got too cold. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Her heat lamp turned off in the night, and that was it. You're very family, your loved ones, your friends, your neighbors could all secretly be scaly aliens from beyond just hanging out and scheming to take over the world. This tracks with some of my family. Now, if this sounds like kind of a paranoid and unsettling way of living your life and looking at the world to you, uh, you're correct. It is. It absolutely is. And this has unfortunately inspired some people to do some pretty awful things as a result of their beliefs that the people around them aren't actually, well, people at all. So, first off, why has this particular conspiracy theory become so widespread in recent years? This is a great question. Right? Well, we can thank one particular dude for that. It's always some dude. A fella named, appropriately, David Ick, because he's <laughs> fucking icky. So David Ick hails from the UK and was a footballer, or in Americanese, a soccer player, in his youth in the 1970s, but rheumatoid arthritis in his knees basically forced him to stop playing professionally, at which time he started a new career as a sports journalist in print, and then on television on the BBC, where he became a household name. And in the 80s, he began to get really immersed in New Age philosophies and alternative medicine, initially in a quest for pain relief from his arthritis. So far, okay. okay. Not too weird, not too, nothing unsettling there. I mean, I I get acupuncture regularly, and it works. I'm I'm all for yeah. no lizards. Seeking, yeah, yeah, alternative no medication, but sure. yeah, no okay. lizards. But okay, you know, so so far so good. He joins the Green Party and becomes its national spokesperson, even publishing a book in 1989 on his environmental views. So again, not not that out there, but then things take a turn. So, Ick claims that he felt a presence around him for months, and eventually this presence made itself known while he was standing in a news agent's shop in March of 1990, pulling his feet to the ground and basically guiding him towards this book, Mind to Mind, 
written by Betty Shine, which is a fabulous name. This entire story is just chock full of great names. Betty Shine, yes, a psychic healer in Brighton. (laughs) So, yeah, uh, he read the book and he contacted her asking to see her about his arthritis. And he visited her multiple times and on their third meeting claims that he felt something like a spider's web touch his face and then Shine announced that her spirit guide, Wang Yi Li, had a message for him. So old Wang Yi Li informed Mrs. Ms. Shine that Ick had been sent to heal the planet, but that he would face great opposition. And then a year later, Ick visited a pre-Inca burial site in Silistani, Peru, where, according to him, the Kundalini energy activated his chakras and triggered in him a higher level of consciousness. Why is my uh, inner bullshit meter just screaming right now? Yeah, oh yeah. I I mean, not only are, like, how many cultures, first off, is he going to appropriate? Oh, so many. So, so many. Okay, so this this whole situation then resulted in Ick entering what he referred to as his turquoise period, during which he would only wear a turquoise tracksuit. Oh, the most precious of gems of the fashion world. Yes. So uh, he also channeled a message through automatic writing that revealed he was a son of the Godhead, or of the infinite mind, and he began work on his first New Age book. He, at that point, resigned from the Green Party and announced at a press conference that he was, in fact, son of the Godhead, as, as you do, I guess, and that the world was going to end in 1997 in a torrent of eruptions, hurricanes, tidal waves, and whatnot. And this got him on a number of radio and TV chat shows at the time. Yeah. And he became kind of the subject of, of a figure of fun, a subject of great ridicule among a lot of the populace in the UK. And this basically essentially ended his career in broadcast journalism in sports and gave him more time to pursue his true calling of being an absolute fucking nutter. So over the next couple of years, he wrote five books about his New Age beliefs, all published by mainstream publishers. However, in 1994, his book, The Robot's Rebellion, got him in a bunch of hot water with both his publisher and the Green Party, who had overall supported him despite his rather kind of questionable, shall we say, personal claims. Extremely questionable. Yes. And this particular book was just chock-a-block full of that perennial favorite way to demonstrate that you're a bigoted asshole, anti-Semitism. Yep. Yeah. <sighs> why so, has it always got to be this? Why Why you got to pick on the Jews? Just leave the Jews alone, please. So it embraced that wretchedest of tomes, the Protocols of the Elders of Zion. But Yeah, which is itself a literary forgery that was likely created at the beginning of the 20th century by Russian secret police as an excuse to execute a series of pogroms against the Jews in their country. And I don't know, I might cover this absolute roll of literary toilet paper in a future podcast, but honestly, frankly, it makes me want to punch everybody and everything, so we'll see if if that happens. (laughs) Basically... 
the Protocols of the Elders of Zion is a fake document that purports to be a secret Jewish plan for world domination, and it has been used by countless anti-Semitic shit stains over the last century or so to excuse their hateful beliefs and actions. Hmm. But David Ick just, he just slurped its poisonous bullshit down like it was a big delicious bowl of eaten mess. And he, of course, added the extra crunchy bullshit topping to it that the Jews were in it with the aliens. Of course. Yep. Of course. Jewish satellites. Yep. Aliens. Yep. There you go. Like naturally. Yep. Space lasers and the mm-hmm. aliens. Mm-hmm. You know, I always thought it would be the queers that were in it with the aliens and that they were building landing strips for gay Martians. I swear to God, Stuart, you're not like the other people here at the trailer park. So, for our youthful or tasteful listeners, those are lines from the classic Dead Milkmen song, Stuart, which, if you have not heard it, you are only cheating yourself of of joy. It Truly. is, yeah, it's it's terrific. It's one of the best examples of what it is like to have your ear just bashed off by a conspiracy theorist, and, and it's a bop. It's also a bop. In the best way. In the yeah. best way. Yeah, so definitely check out Check out Stuart. It's by the Dead Milkman. It's delightful. So at this point, pretty much all the mainstream publishers or political groups or former colleagues of David Ick are like, hasta la pasta, nut job Jew hater to him. And he turns to self-publishing and running his own website and hiring himself out to give lectures around the world. And I regret to say this is a huge success for him because people fucking love bullshit. I mean, they do. They do. Conspiracy theories make sense and give people reasons for why bad shit happens in a universe where things are pretty, pretty much random. And you know what? It's fun to hate people. It's cool to feel like you're the only one that is switched on, tuned in, cool cat, knows the score in a vast sea of sheeple, right? Right. Everybody wants to be the chosen one. Nobody wants to be the NPC, you know? I wouldn't mind being the NPC. I wouldn't mind uh, running a bar that, you know, is infested with goblins one day and hot elves the other. I'm here for it. Sure. Yeah. I I don't want to be, because if you're under the chosen one, you have to be in some weird love triangle. I don't have time for that shit. You have to deal with some guy called the Black Panther. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want that. So, okay. That's the basic history on how David Ick came to be the high priest of the lizard people conspiracy theory, but what exactly is his belief system? Okay, so basically it's a variation of the common conspiracy trope of the New World Order, wherein a secret totalitarian cabal is conspiring to rule the entire planet through an authoritarian one-world government that will replace sovereign nation-states. So basically, uh, if you're an old person and you enjoy The Simpsons, think about that Stonecutters episode, right? And that song, Mm -hmm. Who Keeps the Metric System Down? We do. That one. That one, right? Okay. So, but instead of, like, the Freemasons or woke Twitter or whatever, David Ick believes that there's an interdimensional race of reptilian beings called Archons who are seeking to enslave the human race. So these Archons are mentioned as far back as the Babylonian days as the Anunnaki, who were deities from their creation myth, right? Yep. So they're also fallen angels, a.k.a. the Watchers, like Giles, I don't know, um, who were said to have mated with human women in some of the biblical apocrypha. 
I'm sorry. I'm just thinking of Giles now. That is one silver daddy that I, I would, always. I would, I'm a human yeah. woman, and I would. I would have mated with him. Yeah, mm. he made his lizard baby children. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Anthony Stewart head, call me. And because that's not goofy enough, the current group of scaly baddies making sure we can't have nice things here on Earth are genetically modified human archon hybrids who can apparently shapeshift and are known as the. Babylonian Brotherhood or the Illuminati and their main goal in life is to keep human beings living in fear so they can feed off our negative energy. Naturally. Yeah, essentially these reptiloids are all bad vibes only. So uh, the first you know what? Yeah. Our, we have so much negative energy in the world oh, yeah. right now. I don't see why certain sectors are really ramping this up thinking that um, anyway, anyway, yeah, anyway. Please, I, we're already continue. there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the first human reptilian breeding programs, according to this douche canoe, uh, began 200,000 to 300,000 years ago, potentially resulting in the creation of Adam and Eve, I guess. And the most recent ones happened about 7,000 years ago and created the current group of lizard folks who are dominating the planet. I, I, look, I, I'm, just, I'm just reporting it. I don't, this is nuts. Okay, and wow. so they're also not only from another planet, but another dimension as well, which is a super nifty way to sort of elide over some awkward questions about how they got here, what they're up to, etc. Like, where's the spaceships, David? Did they, like, hitch a ride here with Xenu? I don't know. Uh, but wow. the good news, the good news, there's good news, is that they can be defeated. But only if people wake up to the truth and fill their hearts with love. I mean, I wait. guess, yeah. <laughs> dude, I didn't say this made sense. Wait, I, wait, wait. Uh, so this guy who's like, I hate the Jews, is like, fill yeah. your heart with love. Sure. Yeah, yeah, it makes so much sense, yeah. I, I guess, like, we would just give them the Care Bear stare and, like, zap the lizard people with our tummy beams. I don't know, I feel like this guy maybe fell asleep watching V, the miniseries, yes. and this just got in his brain. I don't know, this, this, look, this shit gives me agita and makes my head hurt. So, okay, this is the why of the reptiloids, so let's move on to the who, as in who exactly is a reptiloid? Well, I don't know, maybe you, could be you, I don't know. But definitely every single one of the U.S. presidents, which, okay, at least for the GOP, that, guys, that kind of tracks. Oh, God, it's making sense. Get my tinfoil. But you know what? It's not just the USA that's full of lizard folks pulling the levers of power. Oh, no. Many of the U.K.'s prime ministers are definitely scaly Illuminati. And the entire House of Windsor are reptile people, which, again, that especially kind of tracks with all the awful stuff coming out about how Harry and Meghan were treated, etc. So yeah, they are pretty cool. Ugh, damn, uh. man, this is getting a little too like maybe plausible, but not really. No, no, not at all. You know, no, it doesn't. Humans with money and power are 100% capable of and encouraged to be absolute shit sticks to those they consider beneath them in pursuit of keeping or accruing more wealth and power we do not need to be part of an interstellar iguana situation to act like mean, greedy fools. And like, truly, the ones who uh, history proves are the shittiest are usually the ones in positions of power because they're not afraid to screw other people over to get there. 
Oh, yeah. And we got that covered by our own little primate selves. Like, yep. Of course. And then, of course, various celebrities or other people who hold the public attention are definitely lizard people, according to the people that think about lizard people. Of Basically, course. anyone you don't like is a lizard person. It's like a magic way to depersonalize anybody that you disagree with. Okay. So, according to Ick, the Illuminati are responsible for, in no particular order, the Oklahoma City bombing, the Dunblane air terrorism crash, the Columbine school massacre, 9-11, which was an inside job of lizard people, global warming, chemtrails, putting fluoride in the water, because I guess strong teeth provide better negative energy. I don't fuck if I know how this works. You can bite down on them better. I guess. Uh, the death of Princess Diana, uh, definitely lizard people, and oh, the assassination of JFK, lizard people. But basically, I thought both the royals and the presidents were lizard people. Is there inner lizard fighting? Yeah, just, look, none of this is supposed to make sense to you. Okay. Basically, any bad thing that happened, lizard people. Blame it on the lizard people. I'm just going to get a plaque that says that. Blame it on the lizard people. Millie Vanilli told you to blame it on the rain, but I'm telling you to blame it on the lizard people. Lizard people. Yeah. Oh, and of course, you know, they're responsible for COVID, which is also a hoax, but done through the medium of 5G mobile phone networks, because that's how viruses work through the cell phone signal. I'm done. Yeah. No. Yeah. And yeah, definitely explains the Black Plague, cholera, all of that. Yeah. Okay. So we the same people who believe in a flat earth. Right. Yeah. This is this is not people that have done a whole lot of deep thinking and yeah, sciencing. So we've been having at least a little chuckle, right? And definitely some eye rolling at the wacky beliefs of David Ick. Yep. But like, where's the harm in believing in piffle, right? Well, unfortunately, if you get enough people to believe in your nutty conspiracy theories that center heavily on the literal depersonalizing of folks you consider to be harmful, you set in motion some pretty bad things. For instance, do you recall Christmas of 2020 and the Nashville RV bomber? Oh, yeah. So it's only been like two years and some change, but Jesus Christ, guys, it feels like many decades, if I'm being honest here. So let me refresh our collective memory of that event. So on December 25th, 2020, a fellow by the name of Anthony Quinn Warner packed his big old recreational vehicle full of explosives, parked it on a downtown street in Nashville, Tennessee, and blew not only himself and his RV to smithereens, but also injured eight people and damaged dozens of buildings in the area. So given the absolute hellish shitstorm of crazy BS going on with both COVID and the attempted coup of Donald Jessica Trump at that time, you can be forgiven for forgetting about this as it did not make nearly as big a splash on the front pages of the news as it might have done in a less, shall we say, interesting moment in history. True. So the RV bomber awakened the nearby residents in the early hours of the morning with the sound of a rapid gunfire, followed by him playing a recording of a computerized female voice repeating that there were explosives in the vehicle and that residents should evacuate immediately. Police responded to the gunshots and were able to get a number of residents out of the nearby buildings and to safety before the RV detonated. And an investigation of Warner revealed that he was a big believer in a number of conspiracy theories, including the lizard people Illuminati theory. Of course. Yeah. And he has not been the only person to do actual real life violence inspired by a belief in imaginary lizard foes. 
So back in 2017, a Pennsylvania woman, because it's going to be PA, of course it is. Of course it is. A woman named Barbara Rogers shot her boyfriend, Stephen Mineo, in the head because of, well, fallen angel lizard people? Oh, sure, yeah. Okay, so, you know, standard reasons for shooting your lover in the goddamn skull, I guess. So what happened there was that Barbara and Stephen had met cute through their mutual involvement in an online Ohio cult led by Sherry Schreiner, who, oh Christ, we do not have time to go fully into her story, but suffice to say, definitely she was on the same kook wavelength as David Ick. So Maybe these less cults, more mental health therapy. I'm just, just saying. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, for sure. So these two meet uh, through their involvement in this cult, and they move in together in the Poconos, And they get all cozy and crazy together. But because this is not a Hallmark Channel movie, but rather an episode of Dateline, things take a horrifying turn. The lovebirds, or should I say love lizards, were hanging out together in the wee hours of the morning on July 15th, 2017, drinking booze and shooting guns, as is the unfortunate local pastime in a good chunk of America. And at this point, Barbara claims that Stephen insisted that she shoot him in the head because he had come to believe that their cult leader, Sherry Schreiner, was actually a shape-shifting extraterrestrial lizard person instead of a delusional middle-aged regular human woman from Ohio with an internet connection and a ton of bad ideas that she wanted to share with the world. Yep. Yep. So when Schreiner was questioned by investigators, she opined that Barbara, in fact, was actually the one possessed by either a demon or a lizard who had forced her to kill Steven. Naturally, those are the only choices. Right, that's the only reason people kill lizard infestation. Yeah. So Barbara Rogers was convicted in March of 2019 of third-degree murder and is now serving 15 to 40 years behind bars. Sherry Schreiner passed away of natural causes in 2018, or that's what the reptiloids want you to think. Yeah. Wow. So, and then right here in Seattle, we had the case of Bucky Wolf, who murdered his brother by stabbing that guy right in the head with a four-foot-long sword because he believed that his brother was a lizard person. Mr. Wolf was also a member of the Proud Boys, which, of course, brings us around to the fact that the reptiloid theory has been embraced by quite a few members of QAnon and other far-right organizations. And it ties pretty nicely into a lot of their other belief systems, which are heavily laced with everybody's favorite anti-Semitism and depersonalization of people they don't agree with. In fact, just a few months ago in August of 2022, a California father of two, Matthew Taylor Coleman, was arrested for kidnapping and murdering his two-year-old son and 10-month-old daughter in Mexico because he feared that his wife had, quote, passed down her serpent DNA to them and that they would grow up to be reptiloid monsters. Wow. What a piece of shit. What a psycho piece of horrible shit. He reportedly killed them by stabbing them with a spear fishing gun because I guess that's how you would kill a lizard monster in a horror movie. And Coleman told investigators that he had learned the truth about serpent DNA through QAnon and other Illuminati-based conspiracy theories. 
This is just, it, it's, it's bad. It is a sliding bad. shit scale of just the worst. Yeah, this is some bad shit. So governments have become so concerned about the potential for murderous mayhem by people who adhere to these lizard people conspiracy beliefs, specifically thanks in, thanks to the rise in anti-Semitism globally, that several countries, including the Netherlands and Australia, have blocked David Ick from traveling there to speak about his bizarre and hateful ideas. Unfortunately, as far as I know, the United States has made no moves to bar him from visiting here. And we are a very fertile ground for bullshit, as the last few years has definitely demonstrated. And I don't really have any tidy wrap-up to this super depressing story, except, like, guys, lizard people, they are not real. Joe Biden, not a lizard person. Kamala Harris, also not a lizard person. Nor is Nancy Pelosi, or AOC, or Steven Spielberg, or Tom Hanks, or Taylor Swift. No, Kevin McCarthy... Clearly not, or he wouldn't have taken 15 tries to become Speaker of the House. Regina and I, definitely not lizard people. Clearly, I am a rat person. Everybody knows that. And I'm a bitch. Right. So, and nor are we the most complete human beings or lizard people that have ever lived. But just to sum it up, lizard people, that's bullshit. Guys, no. Just no. Stop it. No lizard people. Stop it. Stop it. And that is the unfortunate and bizarro story of... David Ick and him spreading his lizard person bullshit theory across the world and the resultant mayhem from it. Well, thank you, I guess, for that. I guess. I guess. For that super depressing story. Wow. Yeah. And I guess also on that note, that was a hell of a note to end on. But right? welcome to season five. Here we go. And remember, you might be disturbed, but... You're not a lizard person because that's bullshit, nor are, are you, you alone. alone. Thanks for listening, friends. Please remember to like, subscribe, and tell a friend. And check us out on social media. On Facebook, we are the Disturbing Interest Podcast. Twitter, podcast underscore DI. Instagram, DI Podcast. Or if you really want to send us something, you can send it to our P.O. Box at 70515 Seattle, Washington, 98127.